Welcome to Making Old Friends, the podcast where four old friends reconnect to discuss life, faith, relationships, and more. I'm Zach. I'm Michael. I'm Tyler. I'm Hannah. Hey, everybody. Hey. It's good to talk with you all again. I was uh, I was super excited with how everything turned out last time, and I'm really glad to be doing this with all of you fine people. Yeah, I am good. excited to share with people. I know a couple people who are excited to listen, and it's kind of scary. Yeah, I definitely we know those am, people. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to to hear if I get any feedback from this episode because I definitely think I'm going to end up talking about some things that. Not everybody who knows me knows about me, so. But uh, before we get into that, how's everybody's week? How you doing? Well, it was, well, we're not releasing these, I guess, at the time of recording, so. But it was Martin Luther King Jr. week. <laughs> yeah. And our company gave everybody that day off. Well, that's nice. So, we, uh, yeah, we had MLKJ day off and i had a couple co-workers who uh or at least one who worked through it anyway yeah oh and i asked why and they said well it's not that important of a holiday so <gasps> gosh oh man anyway how about you guys <laughs> <laughs> oh what did we do I'm trying to think you work fairly normal yeah just work tyler can much you it. i mean can you summarize for me what you do now? Because I'm not sure that I know. He legally can't. Yeah. No, I can. I'm not that not that cool anymore. Uh, so basically, I just do web development right now. So I'm kind of in charge of uh, maintaining a website right now. So a government website. Yeah. Hannah, how about you? Have a good week. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm doing a public speaking class for college, which is the actual worst. But I got an A on my first major assignment, so I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's dope. Nicely done. What does that look like right now in a online? Uh, I'm a full-time online student. So for this class, it's um, you do like videos through, it's called like bongo or something is the Mm. software but um you basically like post your video and then all the other students can see it and watch it and leave comments and stuff um and your teacher so it's kind of like interactive but like you don't have an audience directly in front of you still super intimidating well cool yeah my week was uh pretty average i've got a shoot this weekend which is cool because i haven't it's usually it's typically the slow season for us right now but uh We're working a little bit, so it's going to be great. There was no big events this week to speak of, for sure. (laughs) Just history being made, you know? No biggie. (laughs) That poem was pretty dope. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. Okay, I know we're not getting into politics, but I do have to say, it was incredible to watch a woman be sworn in as the vice president with my daughter standing next Mm. to me like what i literally bawled my eyes out it was incredible like so amazing to see that i don't know it's pretty cool stuff but yeah that is cool yeah (laughs) i had a call i watched the whole darn inauguration thing 
And then I had a call, a half hour call scheduled for right when they were doing this wearing it. Ah, that's a bummer. <laughs> bummer. Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. I, yeah, I watched it back, but I'm like, Mer. wanted to watch it live. All right, Zach. So I guess, yeah, it's all you. Tonight is the first, um, first in a series of episodes where we're kind of going to talk about what happened to each one of us after high school, after we all left and went our separate ways, more or less. Um, so I guess I'll just dive right into it. Um, uh, oh, and the goal of these episodes would kind of be to just um, talk about our similarities and our differences as we started to grow into our adult lives and careers and, and begin to think about faith and relationships and just life um, in a separate way, sort of separate from the context that we all grew up in and now in our own context with our own friends and faith traditions and uh, all those things. So tonight I'm going to kind of talk about my story um, post high school and the coming weeks are going to get to hear from everybody as they sort of share um, their life and and what happened in the span of the years that we didn't talk so much or hang out. Um, and then eventually we'll be caught up to present day and everyone will be, uh, everyone will get a chance to share exactly what happened in that period of years. So uh, let's dive right in, shall we? Um, and feel free to interrupt me as I'm going and, and you guys have questions or thoughts that you want to share. Um, I feel like it will get pretty boring if I'm just talking for 30 straight minutes. So um, <laughs> definitely <Sounds good>. interject <laughs> as you want to. Oh, um, I already have so. questions just because I want to know what you were doing with your life. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll answer them if I know. <laughs> uh, so right after high school, I went to um, the summer camp that we were all supposed to go to um, and Tyler and Hannah, unfortunately, obviously didn't end up coming with Michael and I, which was a major bummer. Um, but at that summer camp, in addition to playing a lot of music, uh, I also met a girl, ended up dating her. Um, and then right after that summer, I went to Lancaster Bible College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania uh, as a worship arts major. So my plan at the time was to continue playing a lot of Jesus music, uh, get a job in a church and be a professional worship leader. So I dated this girl for three years in college and I'm not sure at what point it really became kind of a toxic relationship, but it definitely was. Um, at the time I didn't really, I wasn't really in touch with my own emotions. Uh, so I tended to use relationships kind of as almost like a mirror so that I could see in other people uh, like what they thought of me or the way that my emotions were impacting them sort of as a way to better understand myself and my own heart and what was going on. Cause I just had a lot of trouble uh, being introspective and figuring that out myself, which is probably spoiler alert, why I ended up not working in the field that I went to school for, because I don't think that I ever actually really wanted to do that. I think that it was just like the next logical step for me to do and being kind of out of touch with my own heart. I just like took that next step without really thinking about it too much. Um, that first summer, I know f for you 
that you were homeschooled for you know all those years right mm-hmm. um what was kind of that like so like that was your first you know aside from maybe a summer camp or something when you were a kid that was your first moving out of the house or really i mean in our case we went to school you know tyler and i went to overseas tyler a couple times with our school you know we had those you know atmospheres those events with peers in high school what was it like for you to you know kind of first you know leave home really (laughs) if i had gone to a public school or even a private school like um you guys i i wouldn't have been so quick to uh attach myself to a relationship straight out of high school uh i think i would have just had a little bit more opportunity to to get to know myself in in the way that i relate to other people like girls but also just like other people in general um and i probably would have been a little bit more self-aware and a little bit more like relationally mature to not jump straight into what ended up being like a super unhealthy relationship i feel like you learn from stuff like that though like Definitely. do you feel like it's something that you regret or like is it one of those things that you just it happened and you move on and you've been able to learn what you can kind of thing yeah i definitely took some lessons away from it i i wouldn't say that i regret it but i miss a lot of the time that i could have spent on other people and other things because um, yeah. the other thing to remember is like we didn't go to the same college so you have to put in like a lot of work into a long distance relationship um, which meant that like I would go in addition to spending a lot of time like, you know, over Skype or whatever in the evenings, I would I would go like visit her over spring break instead of like spending time with my friends in college and things. Yeah. Um, so there definitely was just like a lot of like relational equity that I lost by putting a lot of time and energy into that. Yeah. So not to nitpick into your relationships and obviously you can edit out whatever you want because you're the editor. But as one of the people in your life who was your friend and roommate um, for two summers of this period of time, I know personally, myself as well as other people important to you, were very, at least somewhat vocal about how your relationship was not exactly a good one. And that you were, you know... It wasn't healthy for you (laughs) and for your relationships with other people, with your family, with your friends back home. Um, And it was kind of robbing you of, you know, which you just mentioned some of your time, even just at camp, right? With people. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously you still persisted uh, for at least a a while, a couple years, right? Yeah. Three and a half. So like what was, what's the thought process behind I mean, you mentioned a little bit in your notes, you can explain more, but like, what was the thought process behind wanting to stick it out for longer when, you know, pretty much everyone around you was like, Hey, this might not be a great idea. Yeah. I think it's just like, I didn't really have a good handle on what I valued at the time. Um, or, or like, I think I I mentioned briefly, like my own, my own emotions. Like I didn't feel like I was part of that I think is due to homeschooling and part of it is just the way that I'm wired. It takes me a really long time to know what I'm feeling. Um, 
So number one, it took me a really long time to realize that I wasn't happy there. And number two, it took me a really long time to learn how to, to know what I'm feeling without sort of bouncing those feelings off another person. Um, and I feel like dating somebody is, is like, a, a, there's not a lot of relationships, at least there weren't a lot of relationships in my life at that time where I felt like I could kind of bounce those emotions and those feelings off of somebody to see them more clearly. <laughs> I know that there were, I know that there were, but to me and in my mind, like the logical way to process that was like in a dating relationship. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so throughout those, those college years, um, the first, I guess, was it three summers, Michael, that we, the summer before my freshman year and then between freshman and sophomore and sophomore and junior year, um, Michael and I all still worked at Camp of the Woods, which was that, that Christian camp up in, up in upstate New York. I was there for two. Your, your first year was without me. That was when you played with um, the band uh, that was there before us. Okay. Me. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So the first year I went by myself and then the second year, second and third year you joined me. Um, and I know that that, Joey, that time was our good friend was with you yeah. the first year. Yeah. Um, so that was basically that period in my life. Um, I began to sort of feel like maybe I wasn't cut out for worship leading, but I didn't really have like the strong desire to move away from that career path at that point. Uh, and then in my senior year of college, I was finally out of that bad relationship and I actually met my future wife that year. Um, she actually had transferred in from a different school in the Midwest. Uh, so we hadn't met before that. Um, but like as a senior in Bible college, if you're like not dating, you're starting to get a little bit worried because it's like, where am I going to find my, my Christian wife, you know, after I graduate Bible college? Uh, so I was kind of, I was kind of scoping out the transfers and whatnot. And, um, she, uh, she definitely caught my eye and she actually said no the first time that I asked her out on a date. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> I had to ask her again, like a month later before she finally agreed to go get coffee with me. Way to so. be persistent. <laughs> yeah. It worked out in my case. I'm not sure it's a great strategy for everyone, but, um, yeah, that, that worked out, I guess. Um, so my senior year, actually, right before I graduated, I accepted a job as a worship leader at a little church in Maryland. Um, so that would have been fall of 2016 that I moved in. Uh, I moved down to Maryland to start working at that church. Um, is that right? Yeah. Graduated in, in spring of 2016. I moved down there. Um, so... Um, sorry, I lost my place a little bit. Um, moved to Maryland to work as a worship leader. Um, and it was like this tiny little white church in a small, uh, conservative town in Maryland. And I think that like a thing that I really wasn't prepared for, um, was the necessary like cultural shifts that I was going to have to make to sort of fit in with that church. And I really, really struggled to find common ground with this, like, you know, little, like, 
this little white church building on the corner that was like 90% middle-aged white people who were like super conservative. Like in, in 2016, when Trump got elected president, like our, our lead pastor who was super chill and like not weird or, or very political at all, he like very briefly mentioned the first Sunday, like, well, we have a new president. And then like everybody started like clapping. And it was just so weird to me because like I even in 2016, I was like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't like this. Like, I think this is a bad thing for our country. And everyone was just like so excited. And I, I was just really taken aback. And I really felt that like that church in particular was not being particularly effective at actually spreading the gospel like it, it was just like a social club for a bunch of of older people who thought the same way. Um, and so I, that's, I think, like kind of where my, that's sort of the beginning of some seeds of doubt of like, maybe this isn't actually for me, like full-time ministry or even worship leading. From a spiritual side, what living by yourself without your community, you know, when I was by myself, I did a lot of introspection. What did you, did you have a lot of introspection? Did you determine things about who you were, who you were spiritually? Yeah. I think the first, the first thing that I noticed was just how differently I viewed a relationship with Jesus than a lot of the people around me. Um, I think going to Bible college and then immediately moving to a place where most of the people just participated in cultural Christianity and didn't really have a solid basis for why they believed what they believed and mostly just did it because everyone there did it. Like that was kind of a shock for me because that was just not the way that I experienced faith. That was not the way that I experienced Jesus. Um, And it became evident because of how quickly other cultural beliefs got mixed into what happened in the church. Um, so I think that was the big, the first big awakening for me spiritually was there was saying like, okay, so like my, my walk with Jesus and my walk as a Christian is not this, like, I don't know fully what it is yet, but it is not this like cultural status quo situation. So I have a question about that because so we all grew up in a church from the time we were children. Families are Christians, surrounded by Christian community. And I don't know about you guys, but like I know there was like kind of like you piggyback off of like your family's relationship with Jesus. It's the classic Christian kid story. You have your mom and dad's faith, essentially. And then at some point you have to find that spot where it's like, okay, this is now mine or you, you choose whatever to do with, um, Christianity, Jesus, your faith and stuff. Do you feel like for you, it was like a process of like all of these experiences combined, or do you have like a more pinpoint like moment where you can say, yeah, this is what I, this is what I think. This is what my relationship with Jesus is like, you know, like what, what led for you to feel, was it just college or like, I don't know. What yeah, I'm that's, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it was college. 
I think、mm-hmm. a lot of it was at a certain point I learned more about the Bible and about God than either of my parents.、Um, although honestly, I shouldn't really say that because my dad, my dad did one year at Bible college, but he's just continued to learn like basically his whole life, which is super cool and super admirable. So I, I wouldn't say that I know more than my dad, but it, at the time I was learning things that nobody that I knew、uh, had learned. Yeah, and so that that was kind of at the time where I was like, okay, this is my thing now. This isn't、yep. just like something that I grew up in. That's awesome. I'm interested to hear you said that your experience at that church kind of turned you off to the ministry side of things. Like, obviously, I'm sure you did, but at some point, did you ever think that it just wasn't the right church and that you should church shop? You know, for example. Uh, I try to find a different one that kind of fit, you know, your views and and the culture you were looking for better. Yeah,、um, I think it was tricky because I was working there, so part of it was just I didn't really have the opportunity to explore a lot、right. of what was out there、um, because every every week I had responsibilities at that church.、Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is, like, I moved. I had moved to a place where I didn't know anyone,、um, so that church was my community, and I didn't really have a lot outside of that at the time. So I think it probably felt a little bit like that was the total of what,、uh, like, Christianity was at that time for me.、Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I knew that not every church was that way. Which I think is why I kind of held on for several years after that to the idea of like the like an organizational church is is for me and is what I want to do like professionally because、um, I, I think if I had thought that every church was the way that mine was I probably would have been done right away at that point、uh, so. That kind of brings us to 2017, which was the year that I got married to my wife Emily,、um, and that was actually the year that I actually left that job. And what's crazy is that basically the the day after I decided that I was going to resign because I just felt like I couldn't fit into that church environment、uh, was the day after that was the day that we found out that we were pregnant with Gabe.、Um, And that was like a whole roller coaster because we had literally just decided to move back to Lancaster to quit my job, and we didn't really we didn't have a place lined up to stay. We didn't have jobs lined up in Lancaster, and then this like massive curveball of having a child on the way,、um, and it was like definitely like the most unstable time of my life to date. We we moved back to Lancaster, and. Um, I found two part-time jobs: one as a barista at a coffee shop, which I feel is like so, so quintessential for like graduating Bible college and like going to work as a barista. Like it just felt like part of me was like, "This is what everyone does," and then part of me was like, "I feel like a total failure for ending up like working in a cafe," you know.、Um, so there was a lot for me to work through there. Um, but I also found a, a part-time job as a, a worship leader at Victory Church, which is still actually the church that we attend right now.、Um, but the weird thing about Victory is that obviously I took that job、um, in the middle of of 
like kind of this like deluge of emotions because the thing that that I think a lot of people maybe don't know about Emily and I is that we had kind of both decided that we didn't actually want kids before we got married. Um, so when we found ourselves pregnant with Gabe, it was like a, a real, like it, it kind of felt like our plan for our lives was sort of falling apart. Um, and there was just like a real, real lack of empathy in conversations that we would have with people about that because I think number one, like Christians are very prone to just say that like children are a blessing from the Lord and kind of like leave it there. And also we were married. And so a lot of people are like, well, you did things the right way. Like you got married and you're having children and that's like just what you do. Um, and there's also like, we wanted to be really sensitive to the people who, uh, wanted to have kids and couldn't like infertility is a huge issue and super painful for a lot of people. So it felt super isolating to be pregnant and unhappy about it because we didn't want to hurt anybody who is trying to have kids and couldn't. And even in the, the relationships where we felt safe to say like, we're, we're unhappy and, and frustrated about this turn of events. Um, it didn't, it didn't feel like there was anyone who understood that. Um, so it, it was it was a really difficult thing for us to work through for a while. I feel like you guys had a baby on the way. I mean, I could do the math, but it was pretty much right after you got married. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that was hard. I know we had talked, you know, throughout pregnancy and then while you were going through stuff and then after he was born... But you were, from an outside perspective, probably in the darkest place I've ever heard you. <laughs> um, you were going through, you know, obviously some stuff, um, which you can get into in as much detail as you want. But I know just from conversations we had at the time that you expressed to me there was definitely some anger, right? Yeah. Definitely um, anger. You, I, I remember one time I asked, like, are you excited? Is it great? You know, you're a father. And you messaged me back basically along the lines of, I don't know how I feel, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> so yeah. I know you were going through some rough stuff, um, but obviously you love your kid now. And, but what was that? What was kind of the transition point, right? Was it one point or was it just over time, you know, seeing a child as an actual human being <laughs> and then beginning to be more responsive to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there definitely was not one point. It definitely was a long journey. Um, it is a little hard for me to talk about that now because uh, I have to confront how profoundly selfish I was at the time uh, because looking at my son now um, I care about him more than anything I mean he's probably he's probably tied with my wife but um, that is 
you know, the, the second most significant relationship in my life outside of my relationship with my wife, I guess Jesus counts too somewhere in there. He, he, he gets to be number one, but I'm not going to try to order it. Um, <laughs> they're, they're all important to me. Um, but that looking at the way that I feel about him now, it is so hard for me to, to even recognize who I was four years ago. Um, I guess three and a half years ago or so. Uh, and I think that like having a kid just really does a number on you on the inside. Um, it makes you think about the world a lot differently. Um, and I have a, a much greater perspective of what's important and a much greater perspective of what I value and care about. Um, at first, like having a kid just represented a loss of freedom to me. It meant that I'd have to be more tied down, that I'd have to work a little bit more, that I'd have to have a little bit more stable of a lifestyle. Um, and I wouldn't be able to just, you know, like up and move if I wanted. And I, and I wouldn't be able to take a job that was fun, but didn't pay all that well um, because I had another person that I had to take care of. And that was like all I could see um, was those, those facts. And, and like I said, like, it is a little bit, I don't like the fact that I was that person. Um, because having a kid is so much more valuable than those things that I had to give up to have a kid. Um, but it was a process over a number of years of of him being born and, and growing and becoming more responsive to, um, my love and attention and affection. Um, for me to kind of come to that place of, of where so, I am. I, I know you were saying you, it's hard to talk about like how you felt or whatever, when you were pregnant with little man and stuff. Um, most people don't know this, but our youngest total surprise, total surprise. Like we were not planning. Uh, we were pretty huh. openly adamant that we are done having kids. Like we were really young parents. Uh, and we were just like, we had plans. We were like two kids. We can handle it. We're not outnumbered. All the things. Um, I think you should give yourself a lot more grace <laughs> because yeah, there's, I like I was, it's hard to talk about because especially you're like, well, what if my child were to listen to this in the future? I don't know. That's what I always think is like, what if, what if he listened and he heard that my immediate reaction wasn't like over the top screaming and yelling, like super pumped, you know, like whatever you're a human. And there's so much that comes there's, it's such a huge responsibility to take on a child, whether it's your first, especially like for you guys, such a different scenario. Like we already had kids. And so like, we kind of knew what we were doing at that point. Um, but like, it's like either way, it's a huge responsibility. It is, um, it can feel like a loss of freedom. Um, and it's scary to be unexpectedly responsible for another human life. Um, but like, man, you guys, you guys, like you can just tell how much you love your son and how incredible you guys are doing and how much you've grown from that experience. Um, and I know for us, like, well, I don't want to speak for Tyler, but I know for me, like <laughs> reminding myself that it's an opportunity to literally get to raise a productive adult is just like such a cool feeling once you like really internalize that. Um, 
anyways, be nicer to yourself and Sorry if that was like detour, but yeah. I just like had to point no, it out. Like you guys are doing incredible. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Actually, those are those are great words, and I couldn't have put it that well. So thank you. Yeah. I have another kid question. Hmm. You had mentioned that you and your wife at first were not wanting to have kids. Period. Right. Yeah. So. That I did not know and honestly surprised me for not, it might not be a good reason, but as we all know, and probably a lot of people who might be listening to this, you have several siblings. Mm. Yes. Yeah, six of them. More, more than a couple. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And often even people I know who come from families of several children, they often also want to have several children or at least a few so i was surprised to hear that you coming from you know having so many siblings to which i say so many but you and i have the same amount now <laughs> uh, <laughs> but from having so many siblings to wanting zero like why why did you come to that conclusion why did you feel that was where you wanted to be yeah i think there were a lot of things in my childhood that I felt like I couldn't control. Um, like for one, like I really, really desperately wanted to be in private school with the three of you, especially when we were really close in high school. Um, and I didn't have that opportunity. And I also didn't, I didn't, there were several opportunities that I didn't have. And at the time I kind of put that on my, my family and the situations involving having so many kids. I mean, it's just a matter of fact. When when you have that many siblings, you don't all get to do everything. There have to be compromises that get made because of time commitments and financial commitments. It, you just, you don't get as many things as you want. And part of me not wanting kids was that I didn't, I didn't want to put a kid in a situation where I might disappoint them. Um, I, if I, if I was going to have a kid, I wanted my kid to have everything. Um, and knowing that that is not actually possible, <laughs> uh, from a parental perspective is a part of the reason why I just didn't want kids at all. Cause I just said, I'll just avoid that situation entirely. I don't have to disappoint anybody. I don't have to disappoint myself. Why would I do that? You could just be the fun uncle. Yeah, exactly. Of a whole <laughs> bunch of nieces and nephews. I'm sure you'll have someday. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't necessarily so much scared of the responsibility, although that was the thing that scared me the most when I, when we found out that we were going to have a kid. But at the time, the the reason why I decided that I didn't want kids was Mostly, I was afraid of disappointing myself and my child or children. Well, I'm glad you've proved yourself wrong. I think... <laughs> or at least I hope you have. <laughs> I think that's always there a little bit as a parent. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still... I mean, I am a parent now, and I am still afraid yeah. of that, but... <laughs> it's just you always want to do your absolute best for your kid, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a different situation for us right but 
I still have those things and I'm, it's a little different for me thinking about, we had kids really young. I was not at all the same person that I was, you know, when we first had Abram. And so I can kind of look back on some of that stuff and I'm like, boy, like if I had just waited a few years, I would have been the right father, you know? Mm. Um, but then, you know, so I keep looking back and I'm like, oh man, I could have been such a better father in that moment or for those period of years, you know? Um, so I think pretty much all the feelings you said about, you know, the selfishness that you felt, um, I wouldn't say I felt it as much with the first two, but definitely the third one being a surprise. We, I personally felt a lot of those same feelings and it came at the same time as the happiness. It was both at the same time. Right. So like you'd have certain moments that you felt selfish and you're like, you know, I don't want to have to worry about this. And, but then the next moment you'd be thinking about it and you're like, I'm so excited to have this child. So Mm. I think the two coexist and I, I'd be willing to say it happens for most people, you know, like it's just inevitable. Um, So, yeah, again, I would say like you are not abnormal. I think most people feel that way, especially when you weren't planning for that child. You know, you talked a little bit about um, in that season of your life, the lack of empathy that y'all felt from the surrounding Christian community that you were a part of. Do you feel like that was like pivotal to your views of the church now or I don't know how kind of you continued to move forward with mm. like your walk with Jesus from then on? Um, yeah. like, I don't know. Did it turn you off to like Christianity more or, you know, it's actually kind of funny cause I don't know that I necessarily recognized this until you just, ask that question, which I'm kind of excited by. Like, I I hoped that things like this would happen in this conversation, but I I think that that response may have been why I care so much now that the people that I walk closely with in in my Christian faith are also people that walk closely with me through life because it was just people that didn't know me that would say things like that. That would say like, oh, children are a gift from the Lord. Or even like people would literally say like, like you should feel joyful about this. And like that is not at all helpful when you're not feeling joyful. Like it's just, it's just not. And so if the people that I had been sharing those things with were Christians, but were also people who knew me like really deeply knew me, I think that they would have better known to not say things like that. And in fact, I did have friends who came alongside us in that period of time and knew that it was just the right time to be a good friend and to listen to us say things that were in some cases not true and in some cases very selfish and not immediately just try to correct us or try to make us feel differently than we were feeling. Um, And so like, yeah, I I don't know that I recognize this, but I think that was a big part of why I feel so strongly now about that and about the church in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times there can be like anecdotal sayings that you kind of just as um, a Christian kind of have on hand. So like, you know, 
I have anxiety. The Bible says, do not fear. And like, you know, and there's just kind of these like, not sure how to fill that space. So they just kind of throw out um, these sayings that can really be unhelp unhelpful and even damaging at times. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I also think too, like having close community that of people who really, really understand and know you is just helpful because they can empathize with you so much better because they understand your heart behind things. Um, and just having people, instead of like throwing these random things at you, just sit and cry with you or whatever, you know, and be like, yeah, that, that sucks. It's so important in life. Um, yeah. Yeah. We could have a six part, series on here in the future about the church and mental health mm. for oh. sure and i don't we, even feel qualified to talk about that just, i mean i think it just needs to be discussed because i know for you guys myself and then people who you know peers we have who aren't sitting here right now mm. but just it's granted uh american culture itself not even just the church right is having is still learning to come to grips with mental health and just, you know, anxiety, depression, fears, whatever it may be. Um, but it is super damaging. If not, I think one of the most damaging things that church people do, um, using Christianese, right? Those church lingo buzzwords to dismiss real issues with, and I'm not saying every person in every church does this, but no. I've heard it. You guys have all heard it too, though. Like Zach was just saying, you know, or I have anxiety. Oh, do not fear. You know, being, being stressed is a sin. Well, gee, thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills yeah. right now. Yeah. Your, your wonderful things are not helpful at all. So someday we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. um and I think that's pretty much, that kind of brings us to 2018. Um, 2018 is the year that I really began to to heal from a lot of that frustration uh, of of not understanding my heart, other people not understanding my heart surrounding uh, Gabe, and also like Gabe was born, so that made a, a big difference because it, it's just a lot easier to relate and understand a person on the outside. <laughs> Like, I feel like I didn't do a whole lot of bonding with him when he was inside. And and after that, it, it became a lot easier to see a lot of the good things that came from having a kid. Um, so in 2018, I still, I still basically thought that I wanted to be in full-time ministry. Um, but my, my focus did begin to shift because in 2018 is really when I started to develop a passion for videography um, and, and cinema in general, specifically, um, I found out that I was like naturally pretty gifted in that field. Um, and it was a really easy transition for me to put my creative energy. Uh, so I actually quit my job at the cafe as a barista and started picking up freelance video gigs, uh, just on my like DSLR camera, which is actually my wife's camera at the time because she, she'd been taking photos longer than I'd been doing video. So I just like jacked her gear and started doing stuff with it. Um, 
And then in 2019, they actually had an opening at Victory for me to move into a different part-time role um, as their director of video production, which was like a whole thing because I was on, I was like the guy for video production in a church of like 2,700 people. And it was a part-time role. And they like expected me to be producing two or three videos a week in a part-time role. And like, I want to be sensitive because I'm still friends with a lot of people at Victory, like staff members at Victory. But that to me just really showed like a lack of priority because you can't, you can't be looking at like huge churches like Elevation and Hillsong and saying like, we want to produce stuff that looks like that and then pay one guy a part-time salary to make that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's what was expected, or at least that's what was communicated to me. Um, and that, that really bothered me. So in 2019 was really when all of the frustrations that I'd experienced in the church kind of came to a head. And I really just said like, you know, I don't think this is what I want to do. I don't think I want to be in ministry. This is too frustrating. This is too far from what I think Jesus lived and and what he did and how I see the church in the Bible operating. I don't want to wade through all of the junk just for this little bit of work that feels valuable or work that feels right or feels like it's furthering the gospel. It just, it began to feel like there was too much organization, too much politics, too much in the way of the way that I felt Jesus lived and the way that I felt like he valued people. So I, uh, at the beginning of 2020, uh, two things happened. Well, actually, at the end of 2019, I started working um, for a a film company downtown. I was doing less freelance work and more work um, for uh, who is now one of my best friends, um, uh, my boss. And so uh, I picked up a lot of hours for him, stopped doing some freelancing work. And eventually uh, in 2020, I actually quit my job at Victory. Um, and started working entirely for him and my own freelance film work. So I kind of made this full transition from like full-time worship leader in 2016 to now here at uh, 2021 being a full-time filmmaker um, in basically a secular environment uh, with no no ministry um, in terms of like a formal church involvement at all. Um, and so I'm really, I guess, kind of in right now, I'm in, I'm in this pattern or this place where I'm just really questioning the role of like the American evangelical church in general. Um, I don't really feel like the structure or the organization is actually accomplishing reaching the most people with the gospel. Um, I just see way too many 
but to be frank, like way too many idols involved in in the church. Uh, too many people who put structure or church growth or sometimes even politics above um, living like Jesus and, and serving people like Jesus. Uh, and I'm just kind of in a place where I don't really want any part in that. And and I still go to victory, but I go mostly because I think it's important for me to stay reading scripture and to stay worshiping and to stay in community with other believers. Um, and so victory is an easy way for me to do that. Uh, but ideally what I would love is, is if my, my community was the Christians around me, the ones in my neighborhood. Like I, I, you know, I have friends who are one street over that are some of my best friends um, and they're Christians. And then two streets down, we have like a new like family friends. Um, And like, ideally I feel like that community, those people that I see like in the grocery store, that should be my church. Um, Especially in the internet age where we like have access to fantastic preaching and fantastic worship like literally at our fingertips on our computers, like there's not a need to like go to this like arbitrary central location with people who are coming from like miles around just to have this like structured time. I would rather have that time with the people, like I said, that I, that I bump into in the store or, or that I can, you know, walk down the street with my kids together. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of where I am. I still believe a lot of the same theology that I believed as a kid, especially four years in Bible college, I think really only strengthened that. I know for some people it can really go the opposite way, but for me at the very least, I, I still believe a lot of that. I feel like it makes sense to me. I still believe in the value of like strong preaching of the word. And I still believe in the value of community but I'm really, really beginning to doubt the effectiveness of the American church in accomplishing those things. Yeah. Uh, for starters, thanks for sharing. There's so much that like, I just had no idea about. So I think it's really easy to like, obviously it's just part of, I think everybody's story, but there's, you know, obviously times where you'll be like, I just don't think that's what, the Bible was talking about or how maybe, you know, church should look or whatever, but has there been a space where you've found the kind of Christianity that you're looking for, I guess? Yeah. Or have you, have you met other like-minded Christians? I think I have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some of my, some of my really good friends I think are in a similar place with me. Um, a lot of them, I think, see the value in a local church more as a place of community than an organization. Yeah. Um, I think I'm I'm a little further maybe than even some of those people in the idea that I, I sort of feel like a church should develop out of community instead of a church being a place where community develops. Um, Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know how many of my peers are really there. Kind of my, my journey in, with Christianity over, over the past couple of years has sort of felt like 
I was one of like a bunch of people who believed the same way. And over time, I've just been like, well, I don't believe that. And that's like cuts off a slice. And and like, I don't really believe that. And it like cuts off another slice. And eventually like my island gets like a lot smaller. And I am sort of like, I do miss that. Like I, I miss like being able to feel part of a, a larger group of people. And like, I miss being content to just like yeah. go to church on Sunday and just accept that as the status quo but it's just so incongruent with the way that I believe personally now that I, I just can't like be true to myself and still feel like that's the right way to go about things man uh so much of what you're saying is stuff I can relate to and that feeling of just wanting to be like gosh dang it I want to wake up on Sunday morning I want to go to church I want to enjoy the entire experience and then leave and have zero annoyances <laughs> like I totally understand that and it's really comforting to hear somebody else who has had the same thought process and all just wow yeah like like what we're doing right now I, I mean obviously we're we're in very different places spiritually but this feels more like what church should be to me than when I go somewhere on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And I was going to say, I actually, along the way, I've met a lot of people that resonate with that opinion too. Um, especially like the younger crowd seems to be pushing that direction again. Um, at least the people I've been around particularly. Um, it, I think probably with the rise of some of the bigger churches out there, I think you're getting a lot of pushback and people going, wait, is this what it's supposed to look like? You know? Um, And a a lot of people just want to go back to some smaller group type stuff. Um, And that's what I grew up in. It was all home churches. You know, we'd hop around between different houses and it was never more than 25 people. So, um, and I know, in the past, that was honestly the best thing. So, yeah, I definitely get it. I mean, I know because, I mean, I work with churches daily, right? I talk to, I've talked to literally thousands of churches over the past few years. Um, and part of what churches, not a lot, but some churches are doing that are bigger is they really want to work on small groups right now for that same purpose, right? To get, you know, that home church feel, right? We want to, they cap them at 20 people or something. Um, Cause I think, I feel like there is, that is a critical part of the, you know, your church community experience, right? Having a closer circle of people who you can connect with, who you can share life with. Um, if you look at, you know, the new Testament, they were sharing bread and, you know, helping each other and coming together. And if you're going to a church of 4,000 people, you know, it's really hard to get when you walk in the door. You can show up and sit in the back row every single Sunday for six years, and that's it. You're, what are you doing, right? So, I mean, I definitely echo or would agree that, you know, small groups, and I, I feel like churches, like you were kind of saying, should just be small. You know, I feel like that's what church is. I mean, you kind of mentioned I had one more question I wrote, but you talked about kind of after serving at victory um victory right now victory yeah victory um you know part of it was looking around you and just kind of the the church politics of it right 
um, and saying, you didn't feel like this is what you envisioned, you know, a church living out how Jesus would have lived it out. So obviously it's a big question, but I kind of wanted to ask, like, you've mentioned some of it as far as like size and community, but what is, what do you envision a church that Jesus was leading to be? Yeah. Well, the one thing that has been on my mind a lot as I kind of work through uh, these thoughts in my mind um, is that I don't think it would be a church. I'm not, I can't tell you what it is yet, but I can tell you what it's not. And I don't think it's a church where everybody is the same and everybody looks the same and has come from the same background. Um, Because I think if you look at it biblically, like in Acts, you had, you know, you had Lydia who was like this wealthy businesswoman and then you had a a jailkeeper and, and you had like all these people from different walks of life, even different races in a lot of cases, which back then was even a bigger deal than it is now. Um, living, living out Christian life together. And so I think the trap that I want to avoid falling into is just being with people who are just like me. Uh, I think that's super dangerous. I think that's a distortion of what Jesus modeled for us. Um, And I think honestly, that's how a lot of like cults start is just Mm -hmm. people who think exactly the same and behave exactly the same. And I've seen that, like I have like people that I used to know who are like legitimately parts of cults now. And that's just kind of how it started was out of like a home church. Um, So I don't think I have an answer for you, but I do know that it's gotta be something that that brings together everyone unified around following Christ. Cause that is the one thing that the church should have in common. So I don't yeah. think I was, ex- I don't think I was expecting an answer. I feel like that's something that will be discussed in time. Right. What, what, what does that look like? Um, Isn't it yeah. ever evolving, you know, as yeah. you kind of continue to, learn things and as you continue to chip away you know at your island as your example was it evolves i think yeah but good stuff guys yeah well thank you everyone um i did a lot of talking tonight and i really appreciate you guys uh listening in and asking great questions and um this felt very cathartic for me and very uh yeah, I just I just had a really good time. So thank you all for for listening and engaging with me. And I am really looking forward to hearing from the rest of you in the coming weeks. Thanks for being open and honest and sharing your story. I know that's like hard. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> it's like so. <laughs> of the next four weeks, three of these I'm super excited for. One of them I'm like, ah, <laughs> hey that's next week for me let's go (laughs) yeah yeah yep you're on you're on deck man yeah i do that'll be fun (laughs) awesome (laughs) thanks for listening to making old friends our intro music is provided by scott holmes you can listen to us on anchor or wherever you get your podcasts 
You can find us on Facebook at Making Old Friends. Until next time.